You're listening to Tech Square ATL. We tell the stories of Tech Square, the heart of Atlanta's tech scene. Breakthrough talent, breakthrough ideas, and breakthrough companies. All right. Rowdy crowd today. Welcome to the Hump Day Exchange. I'm, I'm your host, Scott Henderson, a.k.a. Scotty Hendo on the interwebs. We're recording in front of a live audience in Tech Square, the heart of Atlanta's tech scene, and excited to bring you this episode. Hump Day Exchange is a collaborative effort of Sandbox ATL and ATDC. On this episode, we'll get inside the minds of college students by talking with three Georgia Tech student leaders in a conversation we're calling The Student Hustle. Uh, joining me are Leka Surasani from Johachi T, uh, Wesley Samples from Startup Exchange, and Chloe Balangia from TEDx Georgia Tech. God, I hope I got all the pronunciations right. You guys can correct my name if you want. So if you're listening to our show for the first time, here's how the program will go. After a short introduction to the topic, I'll invite each guest into the hot seat for a one-to-one -one conversation focused on their perspective. And once we uh, get through all three of these uh, folks, we'll gather them for a round table where they're going to ask each other questions, and then we'll finish with a town hall-style Q&A with our live audience guests. So let's begin with setting the frame. Every rising generation, it seems, has the same rite of passage. Uh, previous generations de deride them for having it so easy, for being entitled and telling them that they will be the first generation to have it worse off than their parents' generation. As a Gen Xer, all my life I had to endure the media fawning over the baby boomers. Then I've had to deal with the millennial fixation. And I can understand where Jan is coming from with the stereo effect of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha in one ear and Cindy, Cindy, Cindy in the other. So um, if you really want to know what my childhood was like, just watch seasons one and two of Stranger Things. It's all there, minus the Demogorgons and the Mind Slayer. No spoilers. Uh, while everyone uh, likes to talk about millennials, what do we know about them? Uh, first, like every generational label, there's no correct answer. Demographers can't even agree on an age range. So these people are born around the mid-90s and through 2000 or so. Uh, so while today's college students are part of the millennial cohort, older millennials actually already are moving to the suburbs and having kids. So it is a pretty widespread. For our purpose today, why don't we just focus on um, today's college students? And here at Tech Square, our biggest unfair advantage is the abundance of smart, talented college students, thanks to Georgia Tech and all the other schools here in the metro area. Large companies and startups alike are seeking access to this talent aquifer with the hopes of getting them to join their endeavors. So how can these companies attract this breakthrough talent? Uh, a week from today, in fact, 500 college students will be in this very space in the garage uh, for the Tech Square Job Fair uh, where those matches are looking to occur. So I'll let you go to Google or ask Siri or Alexa to find all kinds of juicy stats and insights about today's college students. Um, you'll probably learn that they will judge your company on the quality of Wi-Fi and your technology and, in, and if your technology encourages collaborations more than they care about having fun playing ping pong and drinking your beer on tap. That's actually something more interesting to baby boomers than millennials, which is interesting. And um, they also want to know the, they also want to know what your company is doing from a social good perspective, and so that they can share it on social media. So, go Google it, ask Siri, ask Alaska, Alexa. You'll find a lot of good studies, and some of it uh, makes sense, some of it doesn't. But uh, let's not dwell on these so-called studies when we have three college student leaders here to share their perspectives and their observations about their peers. I've been a pretty active observer for the past five years, first through my work at Hypopotamus when it had its space in the basement of the Biltmore, and more, more recently through Sandbox ATL's efforts to create connections here at TechSquare through the TechSquare Job Fair, TechSquareATL.com, Sandbox Academy, and the work we do with the Score on Fifth Tower. I've, I've watched and supported a couple generations of student leaders, and I was there when HackGT and Startup Exchange were born. 
uh, and seeing the success of leadership teams take the baton and help take those organizations forward. And I, interestingly enough, was also in uh, New York City uh, doing work when the TEDx concept emerged, and I got to know the very first community manager for the entire TEDx world. Um, and that's why I'm really excited about this episode. Um, I've been able to hear the, and see these stories, and now you get to hear these stories yourself and learn about the perspectives that these student leaders have about themselves and their peers. So who's ready to explore all that? Anyone? Woo! All right. Excellent. There you are, Andrew. Good. Let's, let's get started. First up in the hot seat, Leica Sarasani from HackGT. Obviously well represented by her fam, the HackGT fam. <laughs> we have posters. There's like seas of people with posters. Uh, actually, a computer screen that says go like a heart. <laughs> so marvelous. Um, she's a fourth year computer science major at Georgia Tech and originally from Marlboro, uh, New Jersey. She's dir director of operations and director of finance at HackGT um, and heavily involved in multiple other student organizations. Um, after graduation, she plans on pursuing a full-time job as a software engineer and continuing her exploring her interest in the nonprofit sector and CS education. So um, thank you, Laker. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. You're good. You got everything's, everything's good there. So um, I'm very familiar with HackGT. Uh, I've seen it. You guys uh, have done a lot of great things. You have um, um, just finished your fourth major collegiate hackathon that you guys host. Uh, and then not only do you guys host this big thing, you do things throughout the year to help bring people in. And then you send people on buses to go to compete others. And you guys just got the trophy for the Major League Hacking Championship of 2017, which is awesome. Great to have that here. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how, how do you describe the collegiate hackathon phenomenon? Because I don't know if many people realize how big of a deal it is now. And um, why have you made it part of your Georgia Tech experience? I think the uh, hackathon phenomenon is most interesting because it allows people to sort of uh, explore their interests and in what they're learning in a very like hands-on, direct, almost immediate way. Um, I think it's very rare for, especially in STEM, to be able to start working on the, your, what you're learning in school almost as soon as you start learning it. Um, <clears throat> and to be able to do that quickly as technology allows um, and be able to just build full out products in such a short span of time. Of course, engineering is all about like, you know, building things and problem solving and be able to do that really quickly with a bunch of other people around you. I think it's a combination of the atmosphere, the accessibility and just how we've progressed as like a society being able to use technology almost instantly, like everyone has a laptop. Um, so I guess it's just the whole uh, pervasiveness of the um, tech itself uh, that lends itself to it. Um, for us, why I got myself involved, um, of course, as a CS major, uh, <clears throat> I didn't code before I started college, uh, but as soon as I got here, the whole like hackathon thing was sort of like really ramping up. Um, mm. My freshman year was the first HackGT that we threw. Uh, I wasn't aware of it, but um, <clears throat> after... But you were around. But I was around, yeah. I uh, did know that <laughs> a little bit later down the road that I knew, I did know that it happened. Um, and so that's when I think uh, over the next like two or three years, hackathons really started peaking in um, the like collegiate national like hackathon sense um, to the point where now they throw like 500, over 500 hackathons around the country and like all schools combined. Um, and so to be a part of something that's just great like phenomenon as you mentioned I think is uh, just really special. So you you have a lot of things that you're doing uh, your major work your your academic work your other stuff what is it about HackGT that makes that's appealing to you what 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 is it about being part of that organization uh, matters because I know Georgia Tech students typically have to 
either be able to say, uh, this will help you graduate or this will help you get a job. And if you don't get either one of those, you're totally dead in the water. So how, do, how does HackGT help you get those two? I think it's, um, I don't think I was really focusing on that, to be honest, when mm -hmm. I started being involved in HackGT. Uh, I saw the impact that HackGT uh, allows for. Um, it's a huge organization. Um, there's really like a market almost for hackathons um, for companies to like come and sponsor us. And um, it yeah, really- you guys had like 25 plus corporate sponsors? Yeah, 27 this year. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Turn away some. I mean, what, what, what is it that makes it so appealing and irresistible to these companies? I think they really just want to see the value in seeing students innovate and like be themselves in a situation where then they can also figure out, um, you know, how good they are at like, you know, building software, building hardware, whatever it is. Um, it's very rare that in a career fair you can get both or even in an interview that you can get both. Um, in, the, in terms of recruiting aspect, I think it brings a lot of value to these companies and that they can see um, fit for the company and just technical ability all in one. Yeah, that was eye-opening for the, the first one that was held, uh, basically seeing how many resumes that uh, were collected through the application. Because you guys are taking applications from hundreds of people from across the country, right? Almost 3,000 this time, 3, or 000. over 3,000. Wow. Yeah. 3,000 people applied to mm -hmm. participate. And so then the sponsors get to have access not only in person, but they get to see who's registered, right? So, yeah. so it's almost, it, I, it hit me, I was like, that's like a reverse job fair. You guys have created a reverse job fair and yep. <laughs> uh, you get the sponsors to give you lots of money so that you can have an amazing weekend of, uh, of programming and hacking and, and celebration. Um, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's been really interesting. And, and what's even better is that this has come kind of gr gr ground up, right? This has emerged out of the students themselves organizing. This is not something that Georgia Tech created. This was this is students organizing and self-organizing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, <clears throat> a couple of students saw that there was like a gap in um, what we learn in school versus what's required of us in industry. And then they saw this huge movement, this huge push, especially around like 2012, 2013 for hackathons and decided that Georgia Tech needed one. Hmm. Yeah, and so for people listening who don't know what a hackathon is, basically you, people pitch ideas. There's problems that could be solved. There'd be sponsored problems or just overall prizes that get awarded at the end. Um, and then teams just work for a certain amount of time uh, and then present uh, to judges and then someone walks away having won it, right? So mm -hmm. basic. Yeah, well. basically. So it is interesting because it really is kind of like a science fair on steroids over a weekend. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. So um, what, what lessons have you learned from participating in these hackathons uh, versus what you've learned by organizing them? I think uh, participating in them is very empowering in a sense that you get a better handle on like the engineering side of like my own abilities. Um, so being able to walk away from a hackathon with something built over the course of a weekend is just a strange, um, sometimes a little unhealthy feat, but um, just being able to walk away with uh, having built something, regardless of whether or not you would want anything, is um, just very empowering and like kind of enables us to keep going in our studies and keeps us motivated and inspired to sort of keep creating. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what about on the managing side? I mean, that's like, that's, that's one thing to show up and power through creating something versus like you guys spend months and months planning this out and meeting and all that stuff. What's, what's that like? Uh, I think it's very, it's very different for sure. Um, I think on the managing side, it's a lot of moving parts, and it's definitely a whole different way of thinking versus if you were actually participating in one, of course. 
Um, but I think the biggest takeaway there is that it's just, ooh, <laughs> um, it's just that it's, you work with so many different people to do a lot of different things. I mean, there's so many stakeholders in a hackathon, whether it's like students, the mentors, other organizers, sponsors that you have to sort of like um, work with, uh, your food vendors, just about everybody, like uh, administration. So there's definitely a lot of moving parts. And um, at the end of the day, I think we all just work towards knowing that we get to make people feel the way, same way we do when we participate. We get to empower them. We get to inspire them. Um, and we end up just, I mean, a running joke within HackGT is, oh, HackGT changes lives. And it's something that one of the old directors said. But um, I think, especially over the course of the last year, it's like you almost start to believe it, especially after seeing uh, how the last couple of hackathons have won. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, um, we, we blow through the, these time, these one-on-one -on -one hot seat stuff pretty quick. It's amazing how fast time does go. Um, so before we let you out of the hot seat, uh, we'll bring you back for sure for the, the round table. Um, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Like me personally? You personally, HackGT. <laughs> where, where can they go to Let's find see. you and HackGT? Well, we can find both of us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just kidding, I'm not on Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah. So on Facebook, uh, and it's, 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 if I remember, it's the HackGT. The HackGT on all of our platforms and Snapchat. <laughs> I know you're on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, anywhere else that you're on? I think that's you, about it. You care about populating? Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much. So you made it through the, uh, the hot seat. We'll have you get out. And as you get out, we'll have Wesley Samples from Startup Exchange come in. Wesley is a fourth-year business student here at Georgia Tech. Uh, for the past year, he's been working as the director of Startup Exchange, leveraging university resources, student passion, and the Atlanta entrepreneurial community to create a centralized community of hackers, hustlers, and storytellers at Georgia Tech. He's also a co-founder of Elevate Media LLC to, that provides digital media production and consultation services to Atlanta startups, including REDS, uh, Maestro, and larger companies such as Coca-Cola, LifeProof, Petland, and State Bank. So, Wesley, glad to have you here. Good to be here. Um, I, I, again, this is the other, the other organization I've seen birth and continue on. It's been great to see that. Mm -hmm. um, what's... What's your elevator pitch? I just read your, your description, but what's your elevator pitch to people for what Startup Exchange does? So Startup Exchange is the student entrepreneur community at Georgia Tech. And what that means is that we are led by students dedicated to serving student entrepreneurs at Tech. Um, we have weekly events, uh, usually on Fridays in this space, the garage, where we invite local entrepreneurs, we invite uh, other key players in the space to talk to students and share their experience and their stories. And we also have this core community that we just started up. And it is a community of founders only, people who have customers traction, um, a website, you know, an actual business. And they meet every Monday, usually in this space. And what they do is they collaborate with each other and talk about, you know, founders only problems and mm -hmm. help each other find solutions. Now, you, you, you've emphasizing student led for students benefits. Um, you know, yeah. When when Startup Exchange came about, that came out because you guys had a need. It was not being met by by the institute. Right. Um, and then over the last four or five years, it Georgia Tech has certainly started to ramp up what they're doing, mm -hmm. become mm -hmm. more aware of it. Um, I'm curious, um, uh, in terms of what you've seen, um, how, how, has, how has the organization evolved and changed? So all three of these organizations, um, they might not know, and like a lot of people don't know this, uh, we have a very common um, starting point. Uh, Startup Exchange started as a group of students who just wanted to go to hackathons together. And it evolved into 
basically this group that met in the library every every week and the the leader of startup exchange at the time he would read um pages of um like different startup books and stuff like that and they would study chapters and get together in the library every week and just do this over and over again until we actually got a space um which was another room in the library that we had a dedicated space and you know since then since um indra and i joined um, we were the co-directors last year uh, since indra and i joined startup exchange we developed a relationship with the garage and relationships with more gt resources such as you know venture lab atdc and um, just started collaborating with other student organizations to broaden the scope of you know what student entrepreneurship entrepreneurship looks like mm-hmm. uh, because we want to incorporate more like creative services we want to incorporate more like more Scheller students uh, more like liberal arts students um, instead of just like the CS majors who want to create software mm-hmm. and so um, we're, we're trying to we keep working at opening this to everyone mm-hmm. and um, that's that's kind of our goal going forward yes yeah, I'm glad you you brought up that origin story because um, I know that um uh, there, there were different, um, uh, you know, approaches each year. It seemed to be try mm-hmm. try a different approach because uh, it was a matter of should we get space? And then, you know, they they were coming into the old hypopotamus space before they had the the, the room yeah. dedicated in the library. Mm-hmm. Um, there also was um, kind of a, another spinoff that happened, right? Uh, that around uh, like a, a student led accelerator at, at one time. Yeah, yeah, it was like startup semester. Or yeah, startup like that. semester. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and this is like a long time ago, three years ago, um, <laughs> when this all was going on, like, but, um, and then all of a sudden, um, you, you guys, uh, uh, are building that, uh, you collectively as, as mm-hmm. the history of the organization. Mm-hmm. And then all, uh, then, you know, like Chris Klaus comes in and gives money yeah. to create, create X, which is yeah. G- Georgia tech led by professors and organizations. And, and so all of a sudden your, your big piece of the pie that you guys were trying to solve everything, right. you didn't have to solve any, everything because other people started solving some of those things. So you mentioned the core, right? So this is a, a yeah. what is, what is that? What, where did that come from? Because I know that this wave of entrepreneurship, there was a lot of entrepreneurs, people showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed that you guys had to start to sift who's actually building stuff versus who's just here for, uh, because it's something to do. So because of these GT resources uh, like CreateX that are able to expose uh, teams of students, students that just want that exposure to entrepreneurship, we had to look back at ourselves and see, you know, what is what is our value prop in the GT community? And for that, we came across in, in conversations with a bunch of people um, at other entrepreneurial organizations and you know, different universities. Um, I kept getting the thing where people would say, you know, why would entrepreneurs want to join a club? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we aim to create a club that entrepreneurs would want to join that could like they would see the direct value of joining it and they could get you know, value out of it. Mm-hmm. And so we leverage our resources at Startup Exchange to you know, serve these founders and everything else follows suit where our community events are events where entrepreneurs are talking about relevant topics to the founders that they've requested through our core community. Mm-hmm. So, so your your core is really obviously a core, right? right. That's the people building stuff, mm-hmm. and then you you've layered on top of that kind of more open events. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, you've had uh, folks come in from uh, a VC firm. You've had you're having uh, hosting uh, something this Friday, something last Friday. Mm-hmm. Now that's more open to the public, uh, more anyone who's entrepreneurial interested. Is that? Right, right. We've always had events open to the public, mm-hmm. uh, to anybody who wants to come. But now I guess we've refocused it from, I guess, like the more like 
inspirational type events, the more hype events to actual tangible things that you can take home and mm. use on your business. And we found like even the kids that want to get exposed uh, that aren't necessarily working on anything right now, we found that they're getting a lot of value out of this too because they can they can take notes and they can use it in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I've kind of noticed that too. I mean, are you seeing, um, do, do you think that this kind of student entrepreneurial wave has crested um, and, and that more more students are just kind of internalizing the mindset? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, are people coming in to learn about how to be one, but not necessarily to go create something uh, to take take the entrepreneurial mindset with them? I th- I think it depends on who you talk to, because um, I remember when I was a freshman coming into tech, I, I read somewhere there's a statistics of, of like 60% of GT students want to do something with entrepreneurship mm-hmm. or something like that. I couldn't believe it because I thought that was way too high. Um, and I still think that's way too high of a statistic because I actually just spoke to someone the other day that... They were talking about, um, they, we were recruiting them to come onto our organizing team. And one of the things that they said was that there's a good population of students that are coming into tech that are so career focused and career driven and, you know, degree focused and stuff like that, that they don't actually use their skills at like a hackathon or something. Um, and they don't actually see, you know, the things that they could build and work on products while they're at tech because they're so concerned about getting a career. Mm. With universities like tech, uh, institutes like tech, um, we think at Startup Exchange it's important to you know develop that uh, creative muscle, if you will, um, and not be so career focused. Because if you're at a top tier you know school like this, you know, you're pretty much going to get some opportunities when you graduate. If you, I mean, there's you, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, kind of the message that we keep trying to preach that you could you know work on projects with students, um, and it doesn't detract from you know your future career. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I do know uh, two years ago when we, we were helping score our fifth open and we did a survey of the students, uh, 600 and some, um, we found out the number, the top two things were not startups that people were interested in. It was big companies, big corporate yeah. brands, and then big technology companies. Yeah. And then the third most interesting thing to them from a career perspective was, was startup and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're through. Bam. Hot, hot, hot seats All over right. already All quickly. Right. Um, so where can uh, people find you on the, the interwebs? Um, so me personally, I'm Wesley Samples on Twitter, Instagram, um, pretty much everything. Uh, startup.exchange is our website. And um, you can find us on Facebook as Startup Exchange. And yeah. And uh, you know, Startup Exchange does a lot of content. You do your own a lot of your own content. You're quite the content creator. So people yep. can find you. We'll, we'll link yep. to you. So uh, thank you, Wesley, for uh, being making it through the, the hot seat. As you vacate, we'll bring Chloe in. Uh, Chloe is a competition. She's with TEDx Georgia Tech, computational media and marketing student here at Georgia, Georgia Tech, uniting interactive technology and design with communication and brand strategy in the spirit of global impact and entrepreneurship. That is a heck of a LinkedIn <laughs> statement. She, she leads all the uh, TEDx uh, Georgia Tech programming as executive director and co-founded Georgia Tech's first chapter of the Global Entrepreneurial Network, Ky- uh, Kairos? Kairos Society. Kairos Society, that's right. I've always seen it. I never had to pronounce it. And as well as a freelance as a digital media strategy consultant for high-impact early-stage startups. So early, uh, as, uh, just like Wesley, uh, photographer, blogger, and world traveler. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> so, so, Chloe, um, what, I mean, I, I imagine most people know what TED is. Right. People, TEDx, it's uh, the idea of ideas worth sharing. Ideas worth spreading. Yeah. Spreading this. I was close. I was close. Um, wh- what is it, the, the unmet need that uh, a TEDx 
addresses for you and your members? I guess maybe explain what TEDx is versus TED, but also what is the unmet need that, it, that it's going to meet for, that is meeting for you and your members? Sure. Yeah. So TED stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design. Um, they've been around for a while that you've probably seen TED Talks online. Um, TED Global is a massive conference that they host every single year with celebrity speakers and really high impact. Um, TEDx is an initiative within TED. Um, the X stands for Independently Organized TED Events. So it's essentially a platform for local communities to provide um, a local platform for local conversation, basically. Um, but the drive behind everything is the exact same. It's it's all about ideas we're spreading. Um, and, and, so, it, and it seems like there's like two kinds of texts. There's either a, a university-focused or a community-focused. Yeah, so right? anybody anywhere could host a TEDx event. Um, they have different versions of events that you can host. It's all on the TED website. Um, so they have salons, and then they have um, university events, and um, I think an actual company could host their, host their own one. I'm not really sure. Um, but we fall under the university license. So mm. um, TEDx Georgia Tech is licensed under Big TED, and then we have to fulfill their guidelines. But um, we have a lot of creative control with all of our events. Mm. So what what type of events are you doing? What kind of programs are you having? Now you got something coming up yeah, uh, right in, very soon, and <laughs> right before the Tech Square Job Fair. But by the time we get this posted, it'll all be over. <laughs> yeah. uh, but what what's going on there? And then what, what's your big thing that you guys do through in the spring? Yeah. Um, so I guess to answer your past question about unmet mm -hmm. need, um, TED and TEDx events are really unique in that they're not necessarily just this speaker series of here I am with my position, my name, um, let me tell you my story and I'll impact you solely through that. It's more niched. It's, hey, here I am with an idea rather than my own name. Um, I feel that this idea has background and history that's relevant for you to hear. I feel like I have a vision for it and I want to share that with the world. Mm -hmm. um, people put it out into the space, into TED.com and all the TED Talks that we hear. Um, and then other people grab onto it and they, it sparks local conversation. Um, and so TEDx Georgia Tech, yes, we have the Georgia Tech name. And so people will try and sort of align that with technology and STEM and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, like Wesley was saying, we have so many diverse students here. And so we're just trying to create a platform for you to share whatever it is, whatever gap that you've bridged or research that you've done, but um, crafted in a way that um, I can provide you with this specific actionable way that this idea can impact you in your life. And so um, our events that we host, we have our student speaker salon every year, which is something we're really passionate about as our organizing team. Um, and that's all student speakers that we recruit from Georgia Tech's campus. Um, we're hosting it here in the garage next week, which I'm pumped about. We just sold out today, so um, really exciting. But um, yeah, all Georgia Tech students, um, which is really humbling to lead, um, to provide them with this platform because they have incredible stories to share and incredible ideas that they're sharing. Um, no, there's no agenda um, across any event, so nobody's trying to make themselves more money. It's not anything for profit. It's not necessarily a networking event. Um, it's just here I am in my idea, and I want to share it. And so that's Student Speaker Salon. It's a little more casual, a um, little more intimate, and it's just students getting up there and talking about what they want to talk about, and then other students can mm -hmm. converse with them. And then the conference, which is what most people know of, is the TEDx Georgia Tech Conference. And mm -hmm. that'll be held every, we, we hold it every spring. It could be any time we want, but we hold yeah. it in the spring. Um, in the past, it's been at Historic Academy Medicine. Um, it was at Scheller College of Business a few years ago. This year, we're, we're deciding where it's going to be hosted. Um, 
but that's a little more professional, a little more mature environment. We've invited speakers from around the world, but we do try and target the Atlanta community just because mm. that's where we are. Um, but it is professional speakers and um, really interesting topics still. And we invite students to attend. It's, it's totally open still. Um, but if a little if I recall correctly, these are these are talks that this is the first time these ideas are being presented, right? It's, yes. It's not yes. like I've, I've been on the speaker circuit. Let me share my speech. It's here's something, an idea that I put together for this. That's what we try for. Right, right. It's, it's helpful if people have public speaking experience right, because it, right. it is a, a big deal for them. Uh -huh. um, but we do open it for, you know, anybody could have any idea. So you mentioned, um, you know, it, much much like the, the theme here is that, that Georgia Tech is definitely heavily STEM oriented, um, uh, but you people are creative in many different ways. I'm curious, what's the most eye-opening and surprising things you've learned about your peers through TEDx? Sure. Um, I think as I've gone through the ranks of being involved in TEDx Georgia Tech, I've come across, hands down, the most interesting people I could have ever met. Um, and what's unique about TEDx Georgia Tech is um, we aren't associated with any specific industry. And so um, any student from any major, any level, we've had PhD students join our team. We've had incoming freshmen that have no idea what they want to do with their lives join the <laughs> team, um, like me. And uh, you just get to know each other and you bond over this one mission. And um, I've just been so inspired by getting to know such, such incredibly amazing and interesting people. Um, people on our on our organizing team are involved in like a wide variety of clubs, mm. completely besides TED and people, we have an ambassador program now and it's people who literally only join because they love TED. They mm. don't have anything else besides that. Um, so I think just being so open-minded to becoming best friends with people that you have absolutely nothing in common with, except you love getting to know new people, growing community, you're passionate about exploring curiosity um, and diversity. So kind of this idea of curi curiosity is really yeah. brings people together. Yeah. Like I, I think of a guy I know, Don Schindler, who's uh, a former submariner. Uh, and when I first met him, uh, I found out his secret trick is he could put a dollar's worth of quarters up his nose. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to find stories like that like in the TEDx community. Uh, and then he would actually spit it out, too. He would he'd take the quarter out. He didn't, he's not like... In it's in and out, but um, any any weird people like that at TEDx? Um, not really. <laughs> Pretty classic, but well, uh, just good good you know. Don is not a Georgia Tech student. By the way, so <laughs> I, I can't remember where he went. I know he worked at Notre Dame at one time, um, but anyway. Uh, so, uh, unlike the other two organizations, uh, yours is actually part of a global yeah. network. So, yeah. how 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 do the the global uh, network uh, components support? your efforts and, and how does it kind of hold you back like, or, or uh, constrain you? Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely advantages and disadvantages. Um, advantages wise, I mean, for marketing purposes, it is such a blessing that people just know Ted. Yeah, it's like, of course, TEDx, right? I mean, they can see our name and there's they know that it's going to be a cool that's event. There's glamorous of being able to put that on your resume that you're a TEDx speaker. Exactly. People know about it. And I put it on my LinkedIn and the logo popped right up. Everybody knew. They knew what Ted was. <laughs> um, but... Uh, and that, while, while that's really cool, um, and it's really awesome to have that name and to be able to promise that we're going to have, um, a really exceptional event, we still have to deliver, mm. um, and we have to abide by their guidelines and, um, Ted, big Ted is what we call them, yeah. <laughs> organizing team, big, big Ted. Ted, um, they have a lot, they have lots of restricting guidelines on what we can do. So it, um, it limits the amount of people we can have at our event. Mm. Um, it limits how many times we can host events. Um, when we can host them, 
we have to do a conference before we can do salon. So there's all mm. this like licensing issues. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just like really specific guidelines and, um, it's, it's burdensome for us to deal with and to jump through those hoops because I know that there's so much opportunity, um, for our group of people, regardless of TEDx Georgia Tech, if you just took out the name and you just had all the people, so many ideas, mm. so many creative ideas on what we could do and what mm. we could deliver to campus. Um, but Big Ted doesn't let us, um, collaborate with another club. We can't say TEDx Georgia Tech and blank. Mm. It has to be solely the TED name. Um, which is weird, and yeah. I wish that that wasn't the case. But um, I understand that. I mean, it. if you get a global yeah. brand like that, you've got to create some constraints. Right, for they it. have so to protect their brand. It's for totally. Sure. I mean, what they're doing is not unreasonable. It's very right. reasonable. But I can also see that it has limits to what you want to do. Right. What your possibilities are for. Hmm. Well, maybe we need to create the anti-TED. <laughs> so, uh, like, like, like the upside down. Yeah. Of TED, so yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> so that you can have that. Debt. You can have <laughs> debt. Uh, yeah, that works. Um, so uh, 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 we're, we need to get we need to get into our roundtable because um, uh, we've gotten a lot of great stuff here. But I want to get to kind of more of these great conversations to get between you guys. Um, so, uh, Chloe, where can people find you, TEDx, as well as you personally on the interwebs? Yeah. Um, so our website is TEDxGeorgiaTech.com. Um, we have an in-team uh, webmaster and he develops our website it's awesome so definitely check it out has all our information on it um, we're super active on facebook and twitter both tedx georgia tech and then instagram um, tedx gt and then uh, myself i'm really active on linkedin and um, instagram and then i'm also on twitter and facebook and awesome. all, all the millennial all the millennial platforms. stuff yeah. <laughs> created by gen xers um uh all right. Well, you made it through the hot seat. Thank you. Chloe. <laughs> Thank you, did. you. All right. You can stay seated and we'll get Lega and Wesley to come and join us. Uh, we'll get you on this. Microphone's here. Create more of an even, even thing. I'll take my headset off so you guys. Ooh, it's always nice to get that off too. Long time. All right. So now we've got everyone here. So um, I'm, I want to throw a couple starter questions. Um, and so you guys have shared each uh, of, of what you guys are doing from a student organization. Uh, what you're seeing individually, but I, I kind of want to dig into, okay, help people understand who aren't college students, what, is, what matters to you guys and what you're seeing uh, from your peers. So uh, let, me, let me start off with this, this one is, what is the one stereotype of your generation you despise the most? Anyone? I'd love to take this one. Go for it. <laughs> if I could start. Um, so I watched a video a while back. Um, it kind of went viral by Simon Sinek. Um, talking about technology in the workforce. Um, and he, he mentioned in the video about how millennials want impact. And that's what they're looking for as they're joining these companies. They're like, I don't want to start from the ground level and work my way up. I just, I want to impact people right now. Um, and he phrased it in a very negative um, tone, very negative connotation that for us as millennials to crave impact was somehow a bad thing and was not going to um, prove fruitful in the long run um, that we are going to get burnout or we we're going to get frustrated by not climbing the corporate ladder. Um, and I just wholeheartedly disagree. I think that for us to crave impact as a generation um, is sparking so much refreshing change. Um, if I didn't believe in driving towards impact, I wouldn't be here because I had made the goal for myself coming into coming into TEDx Georgia Tech that I wanted it to be as impactful as I knew it could be. Um, I think impact is so crucial um, to crave that and, and, and pursue that with all your heart. Is It's what's going to be successful, and um, it's up to us to define that. So it could be really small. It could be hmm. you being yourself working on one project at a startup, um, 
but it's up to you to, to decide how you want that proportion. But I think to crave impact is not a bad thing. Um, but I think that's a stereotype that gets put on millennials. Hmm. Like it, what do you think? Well, uh, I was just going to say, yeah, definitely. I mean, even when I was talking about my involvement with HackGT, yeah, I mean, that's what I cited. Impact as like one of the main motivators for wanting to take on this huge challenge year after year. Um, but I guess on like a somewhat lighter note, I hate when people say that we're like disconnected with the world because we're on yeah. our phones. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I, I go back <laughs> with uh, Thanksgiving and I see my boomer parents and her, all their, their, uh, their, their, their siblings always on their damn iPad. I mean, at least it's more discreet that a phone's smaller. God, get off your iPad, old people. <laughs> that's what I, I love being yeah. I love being the Jan of this this generational yeah. sandwich this, this is nice I, I think millennials just don't like to be told what to do um, I think that's a, like a common theme amongst you know all the social campaigns that we do for our clients even at our business because um, everybody's trying to understand these millennials um, and it's you know we're not one thing I was reading this article about how culture has evolved from like the 80s and stuff mm-hmm. like that where cool in the 80s was one thing it's the guy in the leather jacket with like the converse and the ripped jeans and like all, all that but like cool there's so many different social circles that people participate in that they literally create their own culture um as a millennial and that's you know you you have your own like workout culture you have your own like cooking culture you have your own like you know gaming culture if you will um so you're part of all these different subcultures and you don't want one person like determining, you know, who you are based on like a conglomerate of that. You're you're a multidimensional person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, people, I think, try to try to pigeonhole or try to like place a label on a lot of our generation. But it doesn't really work because we're different things in different environments. Yeah. Um, and this whole demographic labels came about when in the broadcast era, when you had yeah. antennas that you had to pump content out. He had to create some personas, and what was the most common thing of experience-wise is, well, what are you coming through, you know, rites of passage. And, mm-hmm. and so the, the, the age, you know, back when we had that broadcast media dominate thing, it, it made sense because we were shaped generationally in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but now it's like it's, it's memes that no matter what age group you're in, <laughs> you can get the memes, right? You know the memes. Uh, and so it's more of a, they shifted from demographic to psychographic, right? So uh, the mindsets are into the, yeah. the food, foodie culture. You mentioned sneakerheads. Uh, that doesn't have age limitations to it. Right, right. Hmm. Well, so I'm mean, curious, who are your role models? Who do you look up to? Who do you aspire to be like? I don't I would take the pressure off. No one has to say me. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> 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 I, I, I don't choose people. I choose quotes. Okay. Um, and... For one of them, um, it's a Steve Jobs quote where it's like everything around you has been created by someone no smarter than you, so it's therefore your 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 duty to change it and make it better. Um, and so like that's how I've modeled my life, where it's like you know I can do anything. Um, and I guess that goes back to like the millennial entitlement and stuff like that. But like I really do think I can make impact um, with whatever I do. And so that's something that like I look up to, and like he's like that's my model, uh, like role model, if you will. Hmm. Uh, I Mine is definitely my mom, which is super cheesy and super cliche, Uh, but she is from Silicon Valley, born and raised in California, and had that that spark, um, and ended up in suburban Augusta, Georgia, um, where no... Where everyone who goes to Silicon Valley (laughs) ends up. Exactly, exactly. Oh, she would laugh. I know she'll listen to this. I know she'll she'll laugh. Um, But 
she just embodied the idea of blooming where you're planted. Mm. Um, and she knew that there was so much potential, um, for this Silicon Valley energy, um, this entrepreneurial spirit that we talk about. Um, she had it. And, and what, what's so cool is that she is making impact in that community and she's, she's doing it proportional to what is there and to proportional with what she has. Um, you know, she's not an ex big tech employee that has this title. Um, you know, she's just, she's not even from Augusta. So it's not like she's building mm. these connections that she's had from generations. Right. Um, just a refreshing face that said, that saw a need for um, entrepreneurial spirit. So she built um, a co working space in Augusta. It's one of the biggest ones. Um, she launched TEDx Augusta. So no, if you can that. see the where TEDx I get it from, generational <laughs> that's TEDx. where we get it. Um, but I mean, and that's where I came to know Ted. And, and it's, it's making change in Augusta. Um, so yeah, and she told me in high school too, when I was really frustrated about not knowing how to pursue my passion or thinking that pursuing my passion wasn't cool. Um, she told me that um, high school was not my peak and it should not be my peak <laughs> and I should continue pursuing my peak as long as I live. And that's, that's right. what's really been driving me. Um, and I try to share that with as many people as I know. Um, that's the truth, by the way. Yeah. If you peak in high school, it's <clears throat> Oh not yeah, good. but I mean, yeah. it really keeps you going, especially in high school. Yeah, um, high school sucked. <laughs> Medical sucked. College was good. Oh, she's good. Uh, okay, what about you? Well, who are your, who are your kind models? of stole mine. I was going to say my parents. Um, <laughs> oh, she said her mom. I was like, how odd. It's Chloe's right, mom. Chris behind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, my parents. Your parents. parents. That's, um, good. That's, that's, that's not yeah. a bad one to have. No, I think um, I a lot of what drives what I do on like a day-to-day -day basis and like in my career life, like in general are very deeply, deeply rooted in my own values, which I try to kind of like hold as close to me every single day when I wake up, when I like mm. take action, when I talk to my friends. Um, and so I think my parents, uh, I didn't realize this until very recently, honestly, but I think my parents and how they raised like what they said that my value should be or their values are, not that they pushed anything on me, but they were like, here's what we find important in life. Um, Having done that uh, very early on, started doing that and like really hammering it in, I think really got me to where I mm. am today and like in my own, like, you know, being happy with what I'm doing with my life. So I think definitely just them. Hmm. So uh, you guys working with uh, your, your peers uh, in many different ways, I'm curious, what, what do you think they most want from their career? Uh, and then what do you think they most need? What's the gap that they have? What are people looking for? You're speaking for your generation, so no pressure. <laughs> I, I have an answer. Um, I think kind of going back to what we've already said, um, but just building on it, is uh, people just want to be known for who they are and what they can do and feel challenged but also equipped to do what's necessary to be done, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that could be in the big companies, you know, the big corporate companies. That could be where your gifts are and that's where you thrive. It could be in a small little startup that you're starting in your apartment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, people just want to, to, to really own what they're doing um, and know that what they're doing is, is, is causing a difference for someone somewhere out there in the future. Um, so... I'm not sure necessarily what they need to do to get there. Maybe just empowerment and just belief that where they are is okay um, and where they are is where they're supposed to be. But, I mean, for the people that I know and the people that um, I've seen go on to do great things and be really passionate about what they're doing, um, they've just 
honed in on that idea of this is where I am, this is what I can do, and this is what needs to be done, um, and kind of bridging all those. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of building on part of that, uh, it seems like people want to walk around the structure of things um, and try to, like, it's like the corporate fast tracks, um, getting promotions, um, negotiating promotions in your jobs and stuff like that, but also, like, nepotism and all these other things um, because they it seems like people want it kind of handed to them Mm. Um, but uh, they need respect for why it's already there Mm. and you know why things are the way they are Um, and then like once you understand why it's the way it is then you can you can make some impact on it but I think a lot of people want to kind of cut through because like we were taught in high school that you know we can just kind of like memorize things and you know we're very good test takers and we're very good at you know coming to college and doing multiple choice and we can we can kind of bs our way through some things but um once you get out into the real world oh someone's uh, slipping some truth in here yeah (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) let's get back to self-delusion there we go there we go Yeah, I mean, I think with, um, and this is something I've learned through our business that, you know, there's there's a little bit of merit, at least, of why people are in the positions that they're in. And when we try to, you know, approach it with the same, like, high school approach when we're pitching a client or something, it doesn't exactly work. Mm. Um, so people need a little bit more respect for the system and, like, why it is the way it is, um, you know, to go forward. Um, as for the what they can do to get there aspect of it, I think... Um, I've recently started seeing that like mentorship has become like a bigger part of um, especially I think our generation's lives in the sense that like I mean um, even amongst Georgia Tech there's like a huge program part of our student alumni association called mentor jackets where you can basically like sign up get a mentor for that's an alumni from Georgia Tech and just learn from them and I think um, especially because people are a lot more accessible and you know just it's just easier to connect with people how how transparent the world is now you can you can reach people Exactly, and I think we're starting to leverage that by um, allowing like closer relationships to be formed through mentorship and sort of like allowing that like transfer of knowledge from one generation to the other. Uh, that's really kind of helping like our generation like make decisions and decide how to do things. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think? I mean, do you think that? Uh, I mean, most of your peers are gonna. Where, where do you think your most most of your peers are gonna end up? I mean, when they graduate, are they are they gonna be in in established companies? Are they gonna be doing their own thing? Are they going into graduate school? Where, where, where's that track right now? I think most are still going to be in large established companies. Um, few go into startups um, and even fewer start their own ventures. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's like a sort of slight downward trend even going into academia. So I'm not yeah. sure that's <laughs> really going to be an option either. Yeah, it's not much of a future, right? It seems like yeah, a perceived a, future in academia. Yeah. I had a friend. He wanted to go um, and pursue his PhD. And this past summer, he dropped out of tech and joined a startup in SF. <laughs> I was like, why did you do that? Wow. Um, <laughs> and he's like, well, this is where innovation is now. And I'm like, well, I thought you thought that academia was, you know, that, that train that never stops. Hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, to him, it wasn't anymore. Interesting. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Made that shift out. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I think there's something like undeniably comforting about joining an established company and just kind of aligning with what they're doing, um, seeing a success story. So whether no matter what pillar of the company you're in, if you're doing marketing or operations or whatever, um, seeing, you know, what people higher up have done that has worked and learning from them and um, creating those networks. I mean, I don't think there's anything uh, not valuable about that. Um, but 
I mean, I see from what we've talked about from our generation is that people will kind of soak up that knowledge and, and understand and then seek out the gaps and then find ways to bridge it. So whether that means starting their own company or, or seeing a smaller niched version of what they actually want to do, um, that's kind of the trend that, that I'm seeing. But I mean, that's me predicting the future. So, <laughs> Well, we, we don't have any accountability on whether or not we're right or <laughs> Maybe we do. I don't know. Uh, man. So, um, okay. So I guess what, what do you wish people who were trying to recruit college students would really understand about college students today? I mean, do you, are, are, there, are there folks that are out there doing it right in terms of trying to attract the right talent? Um, or are there, is, is, it still, is there people that are just ham-handed trying to make things happen? I mean, you guys dealt with <laughs> over 27 corporate sponsors at HACGT. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to make you name names, but I imagine <laughs> there were some that were like yeah. really got it and others are like, whoa, what the hell were you thinking? Uh, I got heads nodding. Yes. Uh, yeah. So like who, who, who did it right? Who's getting it right? Like not who, what did they do right when someone's doing it right? I think um, what at least people who come to our hackathons are really looking for, like students who come to our hackathons are really looking for is like a more informal connection with the people who are there. Um, mm. I think yep. it's definitely yeah. like very intimidating for a lot of people to have to go up to like a person at a career fair and give them like this weird elevator pitch about like themselves when they really just want to talk about what they're building. Um, and so I think having like hackathons do that is like uh, a great way for them to like you know, do that um, and the companies that understand that and are there for that you know will ask the questions about what people are building will enable um, people to build those things in the best way they can um, and interact with students at mo like really really closely hmm. um, I always tell companies that try to bring as many developers as you can try to bring as many people who can help students build their projects as you can because then students will remember that and be able to say like oh I worked with like these many de developers at X company and they were great and I just now I feel like I know that company and what they're like there um, I think there are a lot of companies that are still very like hands-off and a little bit um, <clears throat> kind of just like okay here's our like pamphlet um, here's a bunch of like t-shirts whatever okay cool good talk here's about our company and just starts like you know spilling out all these things about like how great their company is and how they're doing x y and z but everyone's doing x y and z and it's like the way to differentiate yourself I think is not in being like, oh, we're doing all of these cool things because honestly, everybody is now, but to be able to build those personal connections with students. I think it's about um, demonstrating authentic work. So, I mean, as we're, if you're going to get a job somewhere, obviously, you're going to be working and you're going to be working with other people and there's going to be um, issues and problems to be solved um, and you're going to be the ones that are solving it. And so something that, I mean, this goes along with what you're saying about um, hackathons and how companies have a chance to see how students are authentically solving problems. Mm. Um, I think I see that in case interviews as much as everybody hates them. Um, it's very authentic of, of what consultants do. And they, um, you know, if you look up case interviews, they say, if you don't like prepping for this, you are not going to mm -hmm. like being a consultant. Mm -hmm. Things like that where you're just you understand the work that you'll be doing, you'll understand the process of how people think and how people interact with each other. Um, and then comes all the 
fun stuff that they try and bribe us with to join their company. It's about, you know, do I want to be around these people? You guys fit, get fed well. I will say this. <laughs> yes. 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 Free snack well. breaks are, I mean, are not a bad thing. But, um, yeah, I think just the authentic- authenticity and um, informalness, yeah, for sure. I think... It's not the swag. It's not the beer on tap. It's not the open workspace with the bean bags <laughs> and the ping pong table. It's a lot of people are converting their workspaces. When I was working at AT&T, not to down on AT&T or anything, but the whole cricket workspace, um, they own cricket and it was an open floor plan. And they were like, Oh, this will, this will bring like new liveliness into our environment. And like, I, I think a lot of people really want people to focus on, you know, like the mental health of working at an organization. Um, they want people to focus on, you know, like flexible work hours to where like, you know, if I, if I'm working on a project, I may work better at night. I'm going to put in the work, but I think, you know, me being there an arbitrary amount of time or like during arbitrary times, it it doesn't really breed, um, that good of work as it could have. Um, and just, just like more of the, like letting people be themselves, um, instead of, you know, giving them perks, um, letting people be themselves and express themselves in like the best way that they possibly can. I think that's the people who do it right, do that. Um, the people who do it wrong have all the surface details filled out with the open spaces and everything, but they're not actually getting at the core of like what people are looking for. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what, what questions do I have for each other? I mean, you guys have been listening, <laughs> talking to each other, uh, I, I or guess maybe I have one for questions of an individual or a question to pose to see what other people think. Um, I guess I have one for Startup Exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know, I guess we're the same year, so you weren't really around for earlier than that. But um, right. so before uh, our before 2014, before our year, um, we Georgia Tech definitely had that reputation of being like the hardcore engineering school that just kind of like sends people off to Silicon Valley or mm. like you know to these standard large like corporations and mm-hmm. you know engineering things in the middle of nowhere like that sort of thing. Um, and of course, organizations and like uh, the umbrella organization that created the three of our organizations sort of started to help change that along with, um, as you mentioned before, Chris Klaus and um, just a bunch of other people within Georgia Tech itself. Right. Um, yeah. I guess, how have you seen like, if at all, the mindsets of people who enter Startup Exchange um, change between like your freshman year to now? I think uh, being exposed to entrepreneurship um, in, in like a, in a real good sense, it's not it's not just like starting a business or whatever. A lot of people get you know dissuaded by oh like I, I don't really have an idea. I can't come to Startup Exchange, um, but the people who interact with the community it shows that you can be doing many different things in parallel. Um, the people who grow most are the people who have their coursework, but they're also working on another project and are also exploring these ideas in the community and they're also making impact here. Um, that's the type of like mindset that we try to breed where it's, you're not just doing one thing and that's your sole purpose and you go home and watch Netflix or something. Um, you're actually leveraging, you know, the one thing that you are doing to do these things that make an impact. And that's, you know, it's kind of the mindset that we've been trying to breed. Hmm. Um, because I mean, you could have like a side hustle where you're you know you're doing photography for you know this community organization or something um, and a lot of people do um, few people in startup exchange actually start companies but everyone has this thing that they're doing on the side that um, is outside of their coursework and outside of their regular work hmm. um, so. other questions uh, or thoughts or ideas to present I have one um, I guess for either of you or both of you or whatever uh, what fear have you overcome since joining as a freshman and now being a leader? 
where you are? Uh, I know I personally didn't think I'd be able to like, I mean, school and stuff was like, okay, everyone gets through Georgia Tech, but I think even like joining HackGT and being like, how am I supposed to like run this and like everything at stake, like, uh, as I said, what we do, we do it because we want to empower other people. Um, And if I fail, then that means that there's like a thousand less people that aren't empowered. Um, So I think the fear definitely was like, how do I not let people down? How do I make sure mm. that I'm putting in everything I can to make sure that everything goes smoothly and everything ends up the way I want and that everybody who comes to our event is empowered and everyone gets as much as they can from it? Yeah, it's just to add to that, like I, I completely agree. I think, you know, when you're starting off as a leader, you it's all about yourself. You think about like how you're reflected, you know, when you're talking to people and like how you're you're perceived and stuff. But then you start seeing the people that their lives are changed by what you're doing. And it's like, whoa, like I don't want to mess this up. This is so organic that um I, I I feel like I'm making an impact on these lives. It's not about me anymore. It's about like the team and what we're doing. So you definitely want to remove all the barriers that you possibly can and um, do all that. And the fear is that like you're not going to be able to do that and you're going to let them down. So exactly what you're saying. Hmm. So um, you guys, you guys have an amazing amount of uh, access to your peers and what they're doing. Uh, you're seeing folks in your industries that you're trying to track on. You can see that stuff. What's, what do you think the downside of seeing all that is? I mean, that the, the, the so much access. What is the downside to having that much access? I think for me, it's been like uh, growing uncertainty in what I want to do, like myself, like mm. personally. Um, I think being able to see so many people doing so many things, and especially like interacting with people in industry and seeing like the course of like their lives and how that's changed and how they got where they are and they're like you know still doing really cool things and um, you know they weren't necessarily like traditionally successful in their academic careers and just seeing all the different like paths of life can take I think and knowing that there's like so much uncertainty and that what I came into college thinking like okay I'm just gonna like get a job and then I'm just gonna you know do whatever after that um, I think seeing that there are other things I can do but not knowing what I want and out of that has been uh, really interesting. I totally agree. And thinking back, not thinking back, I wasn't alive, but way back when, um, you know, where people... Back during Stranger Things. (laughs) 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 But I mean, from what I know, I mean, education has evolved from the sense of you join medicine, you join law, you join business, you join these sort of paths. And the path is very structurally set out for you. And your parents are in that path and your entire family's in that path. And then as our generation has grown up, I mean, even schools now offer extra electives and all these other, oh, do you want to add this side hustle or something? Um, And now as college students, as we're on the edge of deciding what we want to do in the world, there's no more structuredness to it unless you want that but most of us don't and so you have to sort of take into account this idea of okay I'm going to do this internship or I'm going to get this job but I mean two years down the line maybe I'll find something else or maybe I'll do something else maybe I'll hop industries Um, and that's very overwhelming so I'd agree with that yeah adding to that I think people have a lot of perceived access to the tools that they need to be an entrepreneur Um, and that being um, like funding is readily available or like these like spaces are readily available but like they discount the ideas um 
for that. Um, they're like, oh, like I have all these resources, but you know, they don't really focus on the actual inherent part of their business that matters. Um, and so I, I guess like people should kind of like calm down a little bit and not <laughs> pressure themselves to, you know, force out an idea or like to force out like this company or something because there's, you know, like going back to like the statistics, like several people want to start companies and be entrepreneurs. Um, and there's an abundance of resources. So why not? Why can't I do it? And they attach that to themselves. Mm -hmm. And like when, you know, I've seen it in startup exchange when people like they're so married to that idea, but they don't like they're not able to do it. Um, and, and it's not any fault of their own. It's just it's not really meant for them. And they realize that and they like kind of just crumble and hmm. it, it's it's hard to see that you know that one path that people think that they can go down um you know it, it's not right for every person but they're so married to it that it you know yeah I, they've I kind know. of for, forged that in their right, sense right. of identity right and if they can't make it happen they, their own identity right they identity crisis in college <laughs> a lot of people have that but, um, yeah i laugh yeah. at the idea of quarter life crisis that's just funny yeah, yeah. it's so Jeez, real. that's presumptuous <laughs> that you're gonna live to 100 first uh <laughs> second of all uh everyone's had that yeah. because uh, i remember right out of school and i was like why am i not vice president of this company yet you know i like i i was so and i've seen like georgia tech students in any other high performing school you got you know you've always been the top of your class you've always done well to get here, you had to be that, right? Yeah. So that, that chasing perfect, the perfect that's looming. Am I not perfect? Um, and I think some of the best things that ever happened uh, to me were huge setbacks, right? Uh, the, the dumbest yeah. mistakes I made and, and, yeah. and forcing things, right? And it, it's, you're right. Like if someone's think I'm going to create that, like I'm going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. Well, that is a point zero 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 one chance right, you'll make right. that happen. But it, you, I can guarantee if you just keep getting up, you'll succeed. That's right. That's true. Definitely. Preach it. <laughs> awesome. What, uh, what other things you guys got on your mind? Any any questions? I, I'm going to point to my my my. Uh, oh, hey, we got uh, we got someone in the audience. Come on over here. Uh, I think about seven seven questions. You're going to introduce yourself uh, and uh, your side hustle. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm also on HackGT with Leica. Uh, I had a question for all of you, uh, which is that what do you think is the biggest accomplishment that your uh, organization has done in the, like, the past year, the past two years? The biggest, like, yeah, most important thing. All right. There you go. You'll hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the answer off here. Um, I think building... For Star Wars Exchange, building the core community um, has been our biggest accomplishment because that's the biggest thing that actually stuck. Um, I think every year at retreat, Startup Exchange has its own like existential crisis of like, <laughs> what are we trying to serve? There's a, there's these resources like this part of a, this part of the pie has been gobbled up by this organization, um, but that's the one thing that we can offer is that community for that specific group of people, and it so far has really stuck um, to the point where. We've had really interesting discussions of, you know, students being like, oh, like I failed all these tests so that I could serve this customer. And everybody's like, oh, me too, me too, me too, <laughs> us too. And then it's just like everybody resonates so well with each other. And so it just works. Um, <laughs> That's great. It's amazing. Um, for us, I mean, I love saying the stat that all of our events have sold out. Every mm -hmm. single event that we've held in the past two years has, we've run out of tickets. Um, and what I've loved um, since leading us, I guess, is that our retention rate and um, the energy of the people that come and join TEDx Georgia Tech is very authentically 
joyful. And in the past, it's it's just sort of been this other club or, you know, you want to join something for your resume. And now it's, I'm so pumped to be here. I'm going to stick around for three years and I'm going to continue building this legacy. Um, and that's something that TED has offered with its own brand. But mm. as TEDx to Tech, I mean, we have a solid community now. Um, I think community at the end of the day is what we're all driving for. Um, and I'm so proud that, that we have that and it's, it's working. So, um, I think... For us, we, when uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm Price is Right. You guys are hoping for an answer. <laughs> um, when we took office last November, uh, we had come up with this goal that we wanted to sort of expand HackTC's reach into not just hackathons. Um, hackathons are great, and we've been able to uh, create a lot of impact that way and inspire a lot of people, but we kind of started venturing into this idea of what if we started doing stuff with more like CS education as a whole. So um, last spring, we started doing workshops, um, a hardware hackathon that was like... Only, I think, half CS major. A lot of engineering majors were involved. Um, one of my proudest accomplishments just like in life was um, throwing Catalyst, which was a high school um, like learn-a-thon type event where we basically just brought about 300 students from like South Atlanta to Georgia Tech. These mm -hmm. students who had never like been exposed to computer science probably never would have. Yeah, those um, are schools that within the APS world that don't have those resources. Right? Yeah, and so just being able to bring them here and sort of teach them about this world and being able to connect them with like different companies who would be able to maybe give them some more resources if they so wanted um, was pretty amazing. Um, and I mean, even past that, we have an event this Friday and Saturday um, that's sort of into like the BME and like healthcare um, world. So I think we're really like expanding our reach and basically just trying to spread CS education and that sort of hackathon mentality to other areas. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, we have, we've run the course, uh, but I'll squeeze one in. Come on over. Yes. <laughs> I'll make an exception for you. Right. Introduce yourself. Hey everyone, I'm Michael. I'm the director of technology for HackGT. And I wanted to ask, I guess, any one of you, back to our millennials conversation. As someone who's watched the Millennials in the Workforce video, I can confirm that it's one of the worst videos out there on the internet. <laughs> uh, it's completely based on um, no, no data, just stories. Some guy, maybe he saw his grandkids do something, so like that's what he thinks we all are. Uh, and when I was at Facebook, the word impact was like all over the place. It was on all the signs. So like, I really should have loved that place, but I didn't. So I wanted to know, uh, for those of you that, for people that don't want to chase perfection and don't want to be like the super startup billionaire, uh, they seem alienated by some of the culture that we've grown maybe. And what would you say to them? Great question. That's such an awesome question. Yeah. I think yeah, like yeah, you, you want to say something question. but you're, you're know, careful you, you want to be careful how you in. say yeah. this <laughs> like, you're like I want to say this but I don't know if I want to say it this way <laughs> well you can think about I'll just tell you this uh, Simon Sinek I, I met him we both spoke on the same stage uh, at Yale oh, that's and cool. this is right when he was starting to get big He's an asshole. So just said, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always stuck with me. Nice guy, he's an asshole. <laughs> he, well, the, he, he's, 
Uh, okay, I'm gonna, uh, dumping on Simon Sinek, who's making millions uh, off of books he's writing about the why. And I like the why thing. That he's got. But right. what I've noticed, uh, he's of a genre of people who make money talking about people to people who don't will never know what those people are like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very much uh, creating a narrative that's very compelling, but not data driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's just I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. These are nice ideas, but I don't know how rooted in reality they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I can tell you that video itself. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started with that guy. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like just some sort of suit Shouldn't now, have brought it some up. sort of defa- defamation of character. I won't tell you about his lunch conversation he had. But anyway. <laughs> I, Wesley's got an answer now. <laughs> I'm, I, all this is, is I'm just trying to gin up some sort of controversy so more people listen to the episode. That's all. <laughs> Oh, but I, I really, no, I'm sorry. I did meet him. Uh, he's not a great person, uh, but his ideas, his ideas uh, are viral. hollow. In some ways. I think we're wrong in thinking that companies, even as large as Facebook, can make impact. Um, I, I think I think we're saying that you know because you're large, because you have this amount of influence, that you're actually doing something good in the world. I think that's definitely not true for a lot of the cases. I think. A lot of people in our generation are starting to drill down in what actually matters and why it matters and trying to understand the world and why we interact in the world the way we do and stuff like that. Just kind of like really get to the core of this question that we're all asking ourselves, I think. Um, And just because a company is able to sell the idea of, hey, you're making impact, um, you know, like I agree, like I wouldn't be fulfilled either because, you know, you look at the social implications of Facebook and like what it's doing to our society. Like one could argue either way. Um, It definitely has impact. It definitely has impact. What kind of label of impact? Is it it doing good for the world? Do we even know what good for the world is? Mm -hmm. Um, So. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. How would you answer, Chloe? Um, I think I just really, really like that question. I like talking about this topic. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, like, there's no right way to be doing anything. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I have friends who are, who are pursuing whatever degree they're pursuing, and they're learning a skill. Um, they're studying the textbooks, they're talking to the professors, they're understanding this thing that you can learn how to do in the world, and then they're, try- they're just trying to get hired to do this thing for the rest of their lives. They say, you know, give, give me a desk, give me a project, let me use my skill that I'm learning, and let me just do it. And I don't have to be famous, I don't need billions of dollars for my salary, I just want to be, like, practicing the skill. And if that's what you love, if that's what you want, I mean, full force ahead, go for it. And um, I mean, yeah, as millennials, we, we hype up, we romanticize this idea of all these things that millennials want. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're all just humans. We're all completely different from the person next to us. Um, so I think just feeling that little spark of empowerment that if you want to go full force impact, I'm going to go change the world and start some multi-billion dollar startup, whatever, then go for it with all your heart. If you don't, if you want to just have your desk and have your job and use your skill, then do it as best you can and as much as you can. Um, and that just yeah. will make your life valuable, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we should leave it at that. You like what she said? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like to say that um, uh, naive ambition is amazing and <clears throat> beautiful when it comes together. Um, so if, you have, if you're naive and you have ambition, just go for it. Because uh, I can tell you, being 44 now, I've seen people my age who've gone many different ways. And they've gone and done big things. And they've, the people that were, the guy, I know a guy who I graduated high school, most likely succeed, failed out of college. Um, you know, these are just things that you, you, there is no one way to do life. Uh, and then things, you know, your value, you know, what you value changes too. Like there's that sense of, well, I want to create too. I just want to have 
relationships that matter, right? And so you, you see that people go through different seasons of life. So there's, there's good books to read that, are, that stand the test of time. Um, uh, and that's certainly, a, I think, Passages is one which talks about as you get from your teens to your 20s to your 30s to 40s, that's different life's, mm-hmm. life goals you're going through. I think um, uh, the Man's Search for Meaning uh, by Viktor Frankl is a great, you know, mm-hmm. super text to read. Um, but I think the other thing, to, I, I, being in the cause space and the social good space, um, I had, you know, I went, I gave a lecture at Scheller about to social entrepreneurs about passion. I was like, all right, you guys know, you know, if everyone says follow your passion, <laughs> you know, build your life around your passion. And I, I said, just understand, passion is like jet fuel, right? Yeah. You know, it's very dangerous in the wrong hands. Um, but also understand the root of passion. Passion comes from a Greek word, which um, is actually uh, like passion of Christ, suffering. It means you, 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 it's something so important, it burns so much, it suffers. And that's the idea of compassion as you suffer together. So if you really want passion, are you willing to suffer? Because you will have to go through some really hard times. Wow. You're leaning forward into that one. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I just I, I really agree with that. Yeah. So there's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I just remember when I was in my 20s, wanting to make an impact, feeling like I could contribute higher than I was being able to. I wasn't able to get to where I went. But just having that patience, like, it's just you have to have at-bats. So I would say to my old former self, uh, just have the patience that you just, just hit the, do your best at that at-bat. Know that there will be a lot more at-bats because of the, 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 the growth that you have. And that, you know, by the time you hit 40, what you thought was important at 20 is not as much as important as you thought, and you'll discover whole new things. So I think you guys have that access, access to different lifestyles, and just understand there is no track. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all in the same ice rink skating, you know, random patterns. There's no, you can try to put I don't know. That metaphor didn't really work. Skill. <laughs> I don't know. It's amazing. I'm no, more, no longer nice. an old grumpy man. I'm just <laughs> pontificating like I'm some wise guy. Uh, anyway, that's, well, that's what having a 16-year-old does to you. Um, I know what the Gen Zs are all about. Jeez, you think millennials are hard. I know, <laughs> these, right? These general, this next generational guy, woo, the Snapchat generation, whole different world. All right, so that brings us to the end of another episode of the Hump Day Exchange. I want to thank our guests, Leica and Wesley and Chloe. Thank you very much for coming and being part of that. And our strategic partners, the University Financing Foundation, Gateway Development Services, ATDC, SQ5, Metro Atlanta Chamber, Choose ATL, Marta, Honeywell, and the Atlanta Bridge community. We're so pleased to have so many friends and so many partners. Be sure to check out TechSquareATL.com for regular stories about TechSquare. Learn more about the Sandbox ATL membership network at SandboxATL.com. Find your next job with a big breakthrough company at job, uh, techsquaredjobfair.com uh, and book your uh, breakthrough event at bookthegarage.com. So a final thank you to you, our listeners. If you like what you're hearing, we'd love it if you share this podcast with your friends. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, and, and leave a review. So until the camel silhouette is beamed into the sky high again, this has been the Hump Day Exchange. <laughs>